Hey, if we've not had a chance to meet, uh, my name is Mike Foster, and I'm one of the ministers here. We're going to welcome, uh, again, the, uh, the online uh, crowd who is with, participating with us uh, online uh, this morning. And, and, and today, as, as, you, as you're here, if you would, take a moment, and if you would, go to cchmd.com connect. And there, there's a connection card. If you'd fill that out for us, let us know that where you're watching it from. Uh, uh, let us know uh, kind of that you were here with us today. You can also text the word NEW to 240-347-0897. We'd just love to be able to uh, connect with you today. Uh, also today, if you want to follow along with some sermon notes, if you've got the Version Bible app, you can go there, click on Events, which is down in the More section, and you can follow along with the, uh, the Bible note, uh, sermon notes for today. And before we get into today's uh, message, um, we do have one prayer request that we want to pray for, and uh, that is uh, uh, Steve Klein uh, had to go to the ER last night with some kidney stones. And so I don't know if any of you have had kidney stones. Thankfully, I have not. I hear they are painful, but he uh, he's recovering from one of those. And so uh, they are uh, just wanted us to, to take a moment today and pray for Steve. So before uh, we get into today's message, let's uh, pray one more time. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you care for us. Father, you care for us, not just our spiritual well-being, but you would send Jesus to die for us, to, to create a way for us to come home to you. But Father, you care for our physical well-being as well. So Father, we know that there are many in our uh, state and area and country and, and world that are suffering uh, with sickness. Father, some are chronic some acute, some, some uh, with uh, the, the coronavirus that has been going around. Father, we just pray that you would be with those, that you would place your healing hand upon them. Father, you would help us to uh, uh, recover, and that, Father, you would help restore uh, our body, our world, back to some form of normal. Father, we can gather together again as we prefer. We'd be able to see each other, and that we'd be able to hug each other, and that we would be able to be together without fear of sickness. Father, we do want to pause and pray for Steve, that you would continue to help him as he recovers. Father, we thank you that you have, have watched over him, that you've cared for him, that you have loved him very dearly. We pray that you would be with he and Mary this morning. Father, that you would be with us as we open up your word. Father, you would encourage us as we look at the fruit of the Spirit of love, may it be evident in our life that through us, the world will know that you love them. Father, we thank you for Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Today, we are continuing. Last week, we started our new series called Fresh Fruit. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be going over a number of different qualities, a number of different marks of being a Christian, often known as the fruit of the Spirit. And so Paul writes them, we see them listed in his letter to the church in Galatia, in Galatians chapter 5. And Galatia is, a lot of different Paul's letters are to cities or to specific locales, but Galatians is written to more of a state. Galatia is a region, an area. It'd be very much like the state of Maryland. And so if there's a book in the Bible called Marylanders, you know, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be like that, it'd be like Galatians. And so he writes this letter to them, and, and the churches in this region, they were very strict to the law. They were trying to, to live out the law as best they could, and, and very, very stringently so. But Paul wants to remind them that our connection to Jesus isn't based on our obedience. 
It's not based on our following of the law. Though we ought to do what the law says, that is not the primary means of us being loved by God. And so, so Paul writes to them and says, we, we, we come to God through this grace that the law helps show us our need for a Savior. And as it, it shows us this need for a Savior, we then begin to live out more the life of Jesus. He says, we can see these, these fruit in our life are, are obvious. There's, and so he goes through and he says, there's these fruit of, the, of sin. And he lists off a whole bunch of sins. And we go down through that list and we go, yeah, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad. We go, yeah, that, 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 those actions would show that someone's not living a life in line with Jesus. He goes, but there's the, the fruit of the Spirit. They, they're, they're obvious as well. The, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. And it says, against such things there is no law. So we are, to free, we are, we are freely allowed to, to show these fruit. Interesting thing about that word fruit. We see this long list of nine different qualities, nine different characteristics. But the word fruit is singular. It's singular. It's, we, we, we ought to display, we ought to show all of them at the same time, we can't pick and choose. We can say, man, I, I really dig doing the loving thing, but man, I, I have no patience. So I'm going to just check that one off. No, if we have the Spirit of God in our life, all of these ought to be present and growing in our life. Now, some of them, some of them take a little bit of time. Some of them are a little easier for us. Some of them are a little more difficult for us. And so we need to be growing in those. But, 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 but we ought to, they ought to all be present in our life, in our life. And so today we're going to take a look at the first one. We're going to look at the uh, fruit of the Spirit of love. And so if you would, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm sure many of you have heard these words, maybe at a wedding, maybe you've read them on a card that you've given a spouse or a significant other for Valentine's Day, an anniversary, a birthday. Um, the, the words that we will read today are going to be very familiar to you. And so Paul writes uh, to his friends in Corinth. Uh, the, Corinth was a metropolitan area. It was a city. They loved, uh, they, they, had, they were very influenced by the Greek culture. And so they were very much about their best self and their best self now. And so they were prideful and they got arrogant because they were smart. They, 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 they had a lot of wisdom. And, and God had blessed them with many spiritual gifts. <clears throat> and so, and so as, he, as, as they have been blessed with these spiritual gifts, God has, uh, they, they, they kind of got a little prideful about that. And they, they thought they were something special. They thought they were uh, something uh, to be thought much of. And so uh, they began to, to elevate, think of themselves more highly than they ought. And so Paul begins to, to show them and say, hey, that, you know, we all have different gifts. We all have different places we fit inside the body. And as we do so, we all are important. Just, if you have this gift, you're no more important than someone over here. That our whole body fits together. And so, you know, in, in this thinking of, of this being more important than that, he goes, let me show you. Let me show you the, mo the most excellent way. He says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. 
If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surround my and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. So let's stop right there for a second. Paul begins this section. He, began, he begins to, to put these pieces together. He sets up this hypothetical. And it's interesting because I see this as an interesting comparison between our day and theirs as well. Paul says, if I, have, if I speak in tongues, in the tongues of men and of angels, do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And what he says, this could have, have a couple different um, thoughts, a couple different uh, uh, ways to, to understand. And one, it could, be, it could be speaking about human eloquence. You know, there are just some people you enjoy listening to. There are some people, man, they, they could speak for hours. You know, they, they, their voice is, is maybe deep and resonant. It's, just, it's pleasing to listen to. There, there are just some people who you're like, man, they can speak. And then there are some people who just can't, right? I mean, we've heard some of those people and like, man, they may have said some good stuff, but three words in, I was asleep because their, 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 their presence was just boring. And so, and so maybe he's just talking about the, the, the human eloquence. It might actually be speak, talking about, Paul might actually be talking about here, the, 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 the tongues of angels might actually be the gift of speaking in tongues. And we're going to get to some of that maybe a little bit later. Uh, but, and because they were able to, they had this gift, giftedness in their church. And so Paul might be saying, hey, might be uh, referring to that. And hey, some people just maybe speak well humanly and some may have this, this, other, this other gift. Um, but he goes, no matter what it is, if I am not doing it in love, I am just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, for our home audience, you guys weren't able to see Faith today. She was over here playing the drums, but I'm sure you could hear her. And now, Faith uh, has, has, has really grown in her drumming. And it, what, what's funny is sometime last fall, she found the crash cymbal, and it was awesome. Because the appropriate place, crash cymbal, really helps punctuate a song, but Faith is like, man, I really love that crash symbol, and I'm just going to just wail on it all song long. You know, maybe, maybe, if you, maybe I need Faith up here more often, because sometimes I tell a joke and nobody gets it. And so I just need Faith when I tell a joke, little rim shot action, right? Let everybody know that was funny. You need it, need it, should laugh, you should laugh at that, right? Uh, and sometimes I say things I think are funny, and you guys are like, yeah, that's just funny. But the well-placed symbol helps punctuate a song, right? All of a sudden, you have that breakdown moment, and then you come back in, and, and you're like, all of a sudden, you have that energy back in the song. And that's kind of how love, if we speak words of love, if we, if we speak to one another, and we do so lovingly, it's like the well-placed crash symbol. Like, yeah, all of a sudden, there's that positive energy, there's that good thing going between us. But if, if we just come in harsh and come in heavy without love, it's like someone just over there wailing on the cymbal all day long. It's like, do we have a three-year-old playing drums today? Or, right? Paul goes on. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and have faith to move mountains but have not love, I gain nothing. I am nothing. 
And Paul probably is referring to some other spiritual gifts here. Spiritual gift of prophecy, of wisdom, of, of faith. Does God still give us? You know, give us do we have, still have the opportunity to, to prophesy? That doesn't necessarily mean t- foretelling the future. It could just be speaking the words of God that we see in Scripture. It's encouraging people to walk in the way of God. Sometimes we think of prophecy, we only think of it as, as saying, here's like this coming wrath, here's the coming apocalypse. But really, prophecy is just encouraging and, and telling people to walk the way of God. Here's what Scripture, here's what God says, and here's how you need to live because of it. We have knowledge. Does, does God sometimes give people special knowledge for things? Does he sometimes give doctors and scientists special knowledge to help uh, treat and cure diseases? I think God does. Everything, all truth is God's truth. Whether it's uh, sacred and, and scriptural, whether it's general knowledge, all truth is God's truth. He created it. So does God make, put, place it there for us to, to find and learn and, and use? If we have faith that can move mountains, God gives us this gift of faith to, to walk and grow with Him. But it, if, all, if we have all these things, but we do not have love, all it does is, Make us prideful and arrogant. Paul writes to the, to the Corinthians earlier in this letter, he says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. He says, if I have these things, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. He goes on, he says, if I give all I possess to the poor, I surrender my body, I give over my body to, to hardship, to the flames, to, 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 to persecution, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. Because if I, if, if I put myself, if, if I make myself a martyr just for myself, but I do these things without love, not that I'm serving people out of love, and I'm willing to surrender myself so that other people can be uh, uh, encouraged, helped, advanced. So if I do it without love, I'm doing it, I, I gain nothing from it. So Paul kind of, clarifies, he kind of draws some boundaries around what is loving and what is unloving. And then he goes on. This is the section that we are probably all most familiar with. <clears throat> the part that we hear at weddings, the, 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 the part that we read in cards, and it says this, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Paul begins to describe and give these examples. He's fleshing out more what love looks like. And as I was reading through this, all those descriptions seem to cover the rest of the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, kind of one by one there, not so much in the same order. Paul says, hey, love is patient, right? Love is kindness. Love is gentleness. There's some self-control. There's joy and peace, faithfulness, and goodness. He covers the rest of the other eight fruit of the Spirit. And what I gather from this is if we live a life of love, if we live a life of love, the other fruit of the Spirit will naturally find their way out of us. If we live a life of love, the fruit of the Spirit will just exude from our life. 
And we tend to think of the others as these separate entities, like you know, joy is one, and kindness is one, and patience. Oh my goodness, patience is another one. I just don't have any patience, right? Don't have any patience. But they all work together in unity. And if you think about it, the opposite of these is also very unloving, right? If we fail to show patience with someone, we are not treating them lovingly. If we fail to show kindness, that's not loving. If we show jealousy for arrogant, these are all unloving attitudes and behaviors. See, the word translated rude, the word translated rude, it it really means that we dishonor others. It really refers to an abuse on many different levels, including physical and emotional. And we begin to see these in the, in the other words in verse 5, don't we? Verse 5 says it's not rude. It says it's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. That word, that phrase, keeps no record of wrongs, means it does not calculate evil. It doesn't go through and go, oh, well, this is how you wronged me. You shorted me here. You did me wrong here. You, you, you didn't do the right thing. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Another way to think of it is that love doesn't keep score. And this is hard to do because we naturally drift in that direction, don't we? We naturally begin to think about our needs and our position, the things that we've done for the relationship based on what we get out of it. When we begin to do this, we damage the relationship because we begin to treat the other as an object and not as a child of God to be loved. Paul then kind of, the, 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 the last verse is kind of a, a, a kind of a quick barrage of things that love always protects. No, it, it, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. We think about the way of love. Love doesn't harm anyone, but rejoices in their well-being. It doesn't delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. Think about that in the terms of revenge, right? I'm sure that if we, we could all sit here and think of a moment when we've been hurt, when we've been harmed, when, when, when evil has been done to us. And in that moment, it is very natural for us to think, man, I want to get them back, right? Now, I want to show them just a bit of what it feels like to what they did for me, to me, right? Like, I'm going to get them back. And when we have that thought of, I'm going to get them back, and maybe sometimes we've had that opportunity to, to get them back, don't we always feel worse because of the revenge that was sought and accomplished? When we calculate evil, when we seek revenge, that's not living a loving life. The love of, it, we show that God's love is far from us in that moment. The revenge often feels worse than the hurt. Paul says it always protects, of trusts, hopes, and perseveres. See, Paul's not lost faith in the Corinthians. They've had a bumpy road. They've had significant missteps on their path of discipleship. If you read through the first half of the book of Corinthians, you might even be wondering if these people still believe in Jesus because some of their behaviors are just atrocious. And Paul's like, I I know you have better in you. 
I know you can walk more in step with Jesus. I know that you are not living out of what you actually believe. And Paul says, but I love you, and I know God's love is in you, and so we must continue on to seek and try to do what is right, that will protect one another, that will trust one another, that will hope for what's better, that will persevere until we are all perfected. Paul goes on, he says, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. These three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Paul speaks about this permanence of love. And as he does so, he returns to the spiritual gifts that the Corinthians have so prided themselves in. And he speaks about their temporary nature. And some, sometimes we get caught up in, are, the, are all these spiritual gifts, are they all active today or not? And sometimes in, in, in different circles, we begin thinking, well, well, does God still use all these gifts or not? And can we still prophesy? There's still times when others may speak in tongues. Does God still give special knowledge? And I believe God still uses these gifts. But he does so, and he chooses the opportunities for them to benefit those who need it. See, when God blesses us with a gift, it is not for our benefit. It's not to make much of ourselves, but to show God's love, to share his story with those who need it. But there will be a time. There will be a time when these gifts will no longer be necessary. There will be a time when these gifts will end. Their usefulness will end. They will pass away. But what will remain? Love. Love will remain because, our, because love never fails. There will be a time when we will not need prophecy. There will be a time when we will not need wisdom. Why? Because we will be in heaven and we will be in the very presence of God. We won't need special wisdom because God will be right there. And whatever we don't know, God can tell us. We won't need to prophesy about God because God will be right there before us. But our love for God and our love for each other will remain. So Paul says when the perfect comes, that these things will cease, that these things will end. And there's been this discussion, what is the perfect? And some people are like, well, obviously, it's Jesus, right? Because every answer is Jesus. Like, there's a Sunday school class of, of young kids, and the teacher says, what? Okay, kids, uh, what's the answer to this question? What is gray, and furry, and has a long, fuzzy tail? This kid raises his hand and says, it sure sounds like a squirrel, but I'm going to say Jesus, right? Because that's uh, the answer to every question in, in church has to be Jesus, right? So when, what is the perfect? Well, obviously the perfect's Jesus, right? But if you know your history well enough, Jesus has already come and gone. 
This is after Jesus has died on the cross and gone back to heaven, so, 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 so it can't be Jesus. Well, maybe it's the giving of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit makes us perfect. So the Holy Spirit is the perfect. Holy Spirit, you know, he's God and, and he is perfect. Once again, you know, your New Testament history, this is after Acts 2. The Holy Spirit has already come. So that can't be the Holy Spirit either. I think when the perfect comes is when we are finally perfected. I don't know about you, but my wife could come up here and she could testify to my imperfections. I am coming on 44 years and I've still not gotten it figured out yet. And so we're not perfect yet, right? We're not yet there. So when the perfect comes, when we are finally perfected, when, when Jesus comes, all of a sudden we will have no need for some of these gifts. See, we can't love perfectly on our own. That's why Jesus had to come to die for us. We need him to show us the example. We need him to come and to save us, to provide, to, 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 to make a way for us to come back home, to be restored to God. And it's not impossible for the love at all, but there's always that element of human love that contains just a bit of selfishness in it. But Jesus, when he showed us his love on the cross, there was no selfishness in that at all. He did it because he knew that was the only way for us to be able to come back home to him. He didn't force us. He, did it. he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't drag us. He doesn't bring us uh, along that way without our uh, consent. But without his death, we have no hope. And so he gives of his life fully, completely. He dies on the cross for us because that's the only way for us to come back home. And the scripture says one day we will be dressed in his righteousness, but we are still yet unperfect, imperfect. But one day, one day, we will be like him. Maybe today, maybe today you are still far from God. Maybe today you still don't know what that relationship is like. Maybe you still haven't had an opportunity to come back home to him. If you go to cchmd.com slash connect and fill out the connection card, you can click that box, become becoming a Christian. We'll follow up with you. And we'll help you follow in that journey. We'll help you walk and step in that journey to, to come back home and be restored to your Heavenly Father. You can simply also text LOVE to 240-347-0897. And, and we will follow up with you. We will help you come in contact with a loving Father who wants to be restored to you. See, in in faith, in life, our, our behaviors ought to, to grow and be, be different, right? You know, there are certain things that are appropriate for children. But now that we've grown and matured, the, that, that, uh, the, the expectations are just a bit different. As we get older, we ought to just know better. And so Paul says, hey, when I was a child, I thought and talked and acted like a child, but but now that I'm an adult, I'm, I'm more mature. I've put childish ways behind me. But if as an adult, you live with childish thinking and, and childish behaviors, you can endanger those around you. Paul says it. that I look at myself. I look at myself in, in a mirror. 
And their mirrors weren't like our mirrors. And even when you look in a mirror, you only see just a glimpse, don't you? But like I said, mirror technology has come a long way. We have magnifying mirrors. We have regular mirrors. We have funhouse mirrors. We have mirrors that you can only look, look like one direction. Their mirrors were polished bronze. Polished bronze was, well, who here would get ready for an important job interview, a big date, by fixing their hair, making sure they look good, based upon the reflection of themselves in a well-waxed car. I mean, I can see if my hairs are out of place in, in a car, but, but, but I, all I know is that for the, most of the rest of my house, that would not work out so well. Because there's product that has to be placed at the appropriate time in the appropriate place for things to be just right. We, we see but dimly. And even our mirrors, even our mirrors are limited, right? We can only see what the mirror reflects. We, can, we, we can't see what's actually on the surface of our skin. We don't have mirrors that show you know, the, the, the germs or, 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 or bacteria on our skin's surface, do they? We, we, we can't even see, we don't have mirrors that show beneath the surface of the skin. Even our mirrors are limited in what they will reflect. They can only reflect what's in their line of sight. Paul says, we see it dimly, but one day we will be fully known. One day we'll all be gathered together and there will be in the presence of God. And he will call our lives to account and that can be scary. Because some of us, we know the things that we've done. But we also know, we also know that God is a loving father. He longs to be restored to his children. Paul says these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest is love. Why is that? I think it's because that love is the only one that will be permanent. One day love is the only one that will remain because when we are in heaven, our faith will be realized when we see Jesus face to face. Our, our faith will be fully realized when we are in the presence of God. We will no longer need hope because we'll be living in and experiencing the life that we had hoped for. But love, love is the one command that Jesus comes back to over and over again. And love, see, love isn't love if we just allow people to continue to live in their sin. And so sometimes to do the loving thing, we have to help encourage people to walk closer with Jesus. We have to call out what is wrong. But if we do so in a way that is prideful, in a way that is rude, that is not loving. If we allow them to continually see themselves in the world wrongly, that is not loving. But if we patiently and kindly help lead them closer to Jesus, that we might show them correction, and accept the correction that they offer to us to help us all be like Jesus. Jesus boiled down all the law and the prophets, the two commands, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Later on, says, love one another just as I have loved you. He loves us 
He loved us while we are in the filth of our sin. But his love does not leave us there. I love the picture of the Psalms. That God pulls us up from the miry pit and sets us up on the rock. Sets us on a firm place to stand. If we think of ourselves in our sin being stuck in this miry pit of mud and we just can't get ourselves out of it. But then God comes in. And he loves us and he saves us and he picks us up out of that. And sets us up there and he cleans us off. He dresses us in his white robes. And he sets us free on a new course of living. As we go about our day, we walk in his love and show his love to others. So today, today as we leave this place, as we go on our way, may we remember that we are loved by God and that we've been commanded to love others with the same love that he has loved us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you have loved us, that you've cared for us, that you've given us your son, Jesus. Father, I pray that you would use us today let others know of your great love for them. You give us opportunity to tell others the story of Jesus and how you sent him to be the sacrifice for our sins so that we might be restored to you. Father, we thank you that you've not left us alone, that you've given us your spirit to, as a guide to this life. Father, may his work be evident in our life as we ex- exhibit its, his fruit that of love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. May you be evident as we pursue you. May we lead others to know you as well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.